in our neighborhood. We grow vegetables. We grew okra that was so tall that Levi and Caleb could go hide in it and you wouldn't see them. It was like trees. It was epic. And to pick it, you had to grab the limb and pull it and bend it all the way down. And out here would be the little okra thing and you chop it off. And so um, we grew, I don't know, like 300 pounds of cucumbers. Just crazy. We, we passed 4,000 pounds of vegetables weeks ago. And my job was to be the, the stand guy. Because I'm not real good at hard work. <laughs> but I'm good at talking. So I stand out on the corner with a produce, or sometimes the sign, there's signs out there, and I just wave to people, and I flag them down, and I tell them what we have. And yesterday, it was 38 degrees. We were doing garden work. I got a picture of all of us. We're all like, you, you think we're like at a football game or something. We're all sock-hatted, sweat-shirted, a bunch of people had gloves on, and we had a bunch of customers that would not even get out of their car. They, they come up, they come down the wrong side of the street, and they pull up right in front, and they roll their window down, and I feel this oh, bellow of heat, because their heat is cranked, and I'm like, oh, can I just stick my hands in your car? And uh, what do you have? What do you have today? Oh, we got this, we got that, you know. And um, like I see this tomato, and I'm telling you guys, this is just about as perfect as it gets. This thing, I mean, I could, we could pass it around, but it might get blemished. I don't want to blemish its beauty. But it has this little bitty, maybe an inch long little split in the top. And it's not foaming, and it's not leaking out or anything. I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's dried over. But there's sometimes where somebody would come up to the farm stand, and they'd say, I want tomatoes. We'd say, okay, they're, they're four for a dollar. It's 38 degrees outside, so we're doing six for a dollar. Because we, we want to go home. And you deserve extra, because you're here today. And they might pick up this perfect tomato, and say, oh, I don't want that one. It's got a split in it. And we put it off to the side. And after a while, all we have are the ones that are off to the side. So they all get put back in the main one. And then about an hour later, somebody else comes and says, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good one. And they take it. And the whole time I'm thinking, my buddy Peter worked all summer long out here every day to grow this tomato and you just called it imperfect because this little one-inch thing, I mean, I cut that up. One day after the farm stand, we took home like a box of all of the imperfect tomatoes. And I just chopped those suckers up and chopped all the little bad parts off. And we had a ton of tomatoes to eat. We couldn't even eat them all because there was so much good still there. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, Jesus... Jesus told parables, and when the, when the disciples said, why do you always talk in parables? And he said, he quoted Isaiah, he quoted Isaiah 6, and if you got your little uh, contents index page going in your head, Isaiah 6 
is where Isaiah sees the Lord and receives his call to ministry. So if I say Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, you're like, oh, I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted, got my mouth burned, purified, right? But it's the message, it's the message that Isaiah was going to carry that Jesus quotes here. He says, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. That's what God told Isaiah to do. And so when the disciples asked Jesus, why do you always speak in parables? He says, for the same reason that God told Isaiah to blind the people make their ears deaf and make their hearts hard. Okay, what in the world does that mean? See, the word of the kingdom is precious. God's word is precious. The gospel message is precious. The kingdom of heaven is this very precious thing. And it's not just something to be thrown around and just handed out all willy-nilly. It's, it's received with reverence. It's received with, with fear. And it's really weighty. So, God gives it to us with, with ease and with grace, but He gives it to us with a little bit of a riddle that we have to figure out, right? Have you ever um, gotten some directions of something that you have to put together, and they just don't make any sense, and you work through this thing, and you try to figure it out, and once you get it, and it's right, you're super proud of it? Well, now they call this the Ikea effect. And people actually like things that they built more than buying something that's already made. So they found, Ikea found that the ratings of their items that people built themselves got higher ratings than the things that were already built. Jesus wants people to hear the parables and to hear about the kingdom of heaven, but then put it together themselves. He doesn't. Want, he wants them to appreciate, really appreciate the message, and not just take it and think that they have it. How often do you think you hear something and you're like, "Oh, I totally understand that," and then you get into it and you're like, "I have no idea what I'm doing." Right? That happens to me a lot. Oh yeah, I got it. So, that, in all of that context of telling a parable with a little bit of a riddle, so you'll really appreciate it, listen to this parable. This is Mark chapter 4. He began to teach beside the sea, and a huge crowd gathered about him. Remember when he, in last chapter, he was afraid the crowd was going to crush him? And they said, get a boat ready? Well, now they get in the boat. Large crowd gathered around, he got into a boat, and he sat on it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Just practically speaking, this is super genius, right? Because you can get out in a boat, and you can come out a little bit from the shore, and now if it curves, you've got all the people, it's almost like a little amphitheater. And if you've ever shouted at somebody across a lake, your voice is going to carry better across water. So he can be out on his boat 
out on probably Peter's boat, and he can talk to all the people on the shore that are kind of like this wraparound amphitheater of people, and his voice is going to carry better. Isn't that cool how that... So there's a little bit of practical genius in here too. He was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. It just grew really fast. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, a little historical background on that. The way they would sow their seed, they'd have a bag, they'd pick up a handful of it, and they would throw it out like this. It was not uh, with their cool little wheel thing that we have, where you put in the dial for carrots, and you put the seeds in the little bucket, and you roll it along, and it goes, and it sticks the carrot seeds right in the right spacing that they're supposed to be. It was not that. It was grab a handful of seeds and throw them out on the ground. You, you might till it up with your, with your donkey and your plow, and you might walk along and drop it, but most often it was, it was the throw and distribute method. So it's going to go everywhere. Typical crops. So in here where he says it's going to grow up and increase 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, their typical crops were between 5 and 15-fold. So if you had a, an, a normal year, you would get 10 times what you planted. So for every seed you plant, you're going to get 10 times that back. So when G, if you had a really good year, you'd get 15. So when Jesus says it's going to grow 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, whoa, that's just like jackpot. Oh, my gosh. You, you wouldn't even have to work for the next three years, at least, if that happened. Um, it's, just, it's just huge, huge amounts of return on what you're, what you're planting, what you're sowing. So he tells this parable, and then at the end, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this is exactly what he's talking about, what God is talking about in Isaiah. Is if you've got an ear to hear what I'm really talking about, get it. Then get what I'm saying. But if you're just coming just because you want to grab a, a 20 cent tomato and head on, just take your 20 cent tomato and go. It, this isn't for you. Jesus is almost saying, this isn't for everybody. I know that not everybody's going to believe this. I know that not everybody's going to follow me. But for those of you that are, listen, grab on. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Some of you are going to get it. I have a mentor guy, and he said, whenever you speak to a group over 100 people, only four people are going to get what you said. 
And he said, and it only goes up from there. If you speak to a thousand people, only five people will get what you said. He's like, wow. He's like, it's just how it works. And, uh, and he said, anything more than that is an absolute miracle and an absolute gift. And sometimes I've experienced that. I'm like, you know, speak at a junior high camp and, and there'll be one kid that'll come up afterwards and they'll be like, I want to know more about this. I want to press in. I want to grow. That's, that's why Jesus is speaking in parables. Because the people that want to grow, they, they, uh, international missionaries find this overseas. You think the hardest person to convert would be a Muslim fundamentalist, right? This hardcore, actually that's not true. Because they are passionate and they are devout and they are seeking after God with all of their heart and they think that's the path to go down. And then when they get shown what the right path is to go down, they continue to seek God with all of their heart, but now they just know the one true God that's the right God to seek with all of their heart. So you, you run in, you hear stories about people like Paul that were zealous to persecute the church but then got saved and are zealous to advance the church. It's really exciting. So, Mark 4.10. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. How do you like that? Those that were around him with the twelve. So it's not just, Jesus is still with the twelve and he's still instructing the twelve, but there's more people that are still hanging out that still want to learn more, that still want to, want to hear more about the kingdom of heaven. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, wait a minute. He's not, he hasn't even explained it yet, but he's already told them, you guys already have the secret. There's a, there's a book. The guy's kind of gone crazy now, but when he wrote this book, he wasn't crazy. And uh, this book is called The Secret Message of Jesus. And the whole secret message of Jesus, I mean, it's this, this title that's totally going to suck you in, right? And make you, oh, what is the secret message of Jesus? And it's so great because the secret, I'm going to ruin the book for you. You don't have to read it. The secret message of Jesus is Jesus. It's Jesus himself. And so he tell this whole book explains, and, and I think it's pretty much right on, that Jesus told parables to get people to come closer to him to figure out what they meant. It's not about the parable, it's about Jesus. And so the secret these guys have been given is the secret of going and asking Jesus and talking to Jesus and, and communicating and interacting with Jesus to find out what this stuff means. So he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they would turn and be forgiven. That's where he's quoting Isaiah. Doesn't mean he doesn't want them to turn. He wants them to turn. He wants them to be forgiven. But he doesn't want anybody to do it that, that doesn't know what it is. That doesn't know what just happened to them. Um, that's why I, I had... I had my sons wanted to be baptized, and I said, why? Not saying that I don't want you to be, but I want you to explain it to me. And it probably took maybe nine to six, maybe six months or nine months 
for them to be able to explain to me why they wanted to be baptized so that I knew what they were getting into, so I knew what they were doing. That's what this is. Don't, don't just take it. Don't just do it. Um, we have, I, we talked to some people that, uh, I guess, so in the Catholic Church, if you want to marry a Catholic person, you have to go through a whole bunch of classes. You have to go through this whole rigmarole, big deal. And my wife and I were talking about that as far as a barrier to entering the church and how that is kind of a rough thing. But then we were like, but what if before you could get married to somebody, you both had to take a theology class? Because that's kind of what it is. And you had to have all these beliefs taught to you and you would question and wrangle with, do I really believe these or not? If you're not going to get premarital counseling, that's probably the next best thing, right? So we were kind of remarking about that. Jesus doesn't want this stuff to be taken lightly. He wants, salvation is free. Do you notice the people that get saved when he says salvation has come? None of them understood parables like to explain them. They knew the parables in a deeper way. The lady that got healed, she said, if I only touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed because I believe he's the Messiah. She didn't need a parable. She didn't need a parable to explain the kingdom of heaven. The, the centurion that says, uh, my servant is sick and will you heal him? But I know how powerful you are. You don't even have to come to my house. You just say the word from here and my servant will be healed. That guy did not need a parable to, to learn about how powerful Jesus was. He got it. So to the people that get it, they're going to understand the parables, or they're at least going to ask Jesus, hey, tell me about this. But the people that don't want it, and the people that don't believe, are just going to hear it and move along. But then, luckily, this doesn't happen much in the scripture, Jesus explains this parable. There aren't very many parables that he explains like this. So, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and take away the word that is sown in them. Whoa. So they hear, and then the devil comes along and takes it away. This uh, all, of these, all of these things in this parable, it's easy to think that they only happened once to us and then we got over it and now we can move on. These things happen every day, you guys. Uh, we were, so last Saturday, we had a birthday celebration and, and we're a little bit behind with a bunch of us guys that get together and they were celebrating my birthday last Saturday, which it was in July. And... Uh, so the thing that we do for our birthday is we honor one another. And everybody goes around the table and they, they honor you. And they say, hey, Dan, you're really cool. You wear white shirts and white shirts are cool. No, they say deeper and neater, things like that. But you feel so built up and so awesome. It's like, wow, this is the best birthday gift ever. So then we have our Saturday. And... My wife and I are talking money and finances and this and that. We're sorting things out. And then we go to a party at a house where these people are so ridiculously rich. It's just like over the top. 
and we're going home and all the kids are like, whoa, that's the biggest house we've ever been. Oh, that's got you know, carrying on and on and on. And what happens? All the seeds of encouragement and building up that happened that morning as I'm laying in bed that night thinking, man, what if I was that rich? Man, why am I not that rich? And the devil's just taking all those little seeds that got sown until Sunday morning I wake up and I'm a humongous grouch and every little drop of milk that's spilled on the table is a waste of our hard-earned money, right? And it's terrible. And then you identify it. Oh my gosh, all the seeds of encouragement that got planted in me yesterday have been eaten. And then you just, I mean, what I did was I started recounting what those seeds were and build that thing up and strengthen it again. But this, this business of... Uh, we have a custom in our car, and we're going to do it today, even though it's only the three of us. When we get in the car and we leave here, the only thing we talk about is what we talked about at church that morning. Because it's so easy to get in the car and all of a sudden talk about what's going to happen next week, or all of a sudden complain about this thing that happened at work this week. And whatever got sown on Sunday morning just gets pick, 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 bird by bird by bird by pick, pick, pick. And then all of a sudden, you've lost everything that was sown. We had a, a rule in our house a couple years ago, and now we don't even think about it. But um, my wife said, don't ever introduce a new TV show on Sunday morning. So we're all getting ready. We need some of the kids to just sit and chill and watch TV while we're giving the other ones a bath. And I'd be like, oh, guys, you haven't seen Voltron before. Let me show you this. Click, click, click. And now they're introduced to Voltron 10 minutes before we leave for church. Terrible. So then, what am I... That, that was kind of the opposite. That was setting up a whole bunch of birds to snatch the seeds away as soon as they were planted, right? This is a real thing, you guys. The devil wants to snatch away every little bit of insight, every little bit of the word that's sown in us, wants to be distracted by, oh, yeah, I got to hurry up and do that. Oh, yeah, I forgot this thing. And just, we got to hold on to that stuff. Every time it's sown, dwell on it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Then these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they heard, immediately received it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This, this is why uh, later on the Apostle Paul is going to say, don't let anybody that's a new believer be in leadership because of this same thing. This is why uh, you always, you know, you want to you build people up and you want to encourage them. You know, they have junior high retreats and the kids all come back fired up and pumped up and they immediately want to get all the kids that went on that retreat to come to church the next Sunday. Because that way you can continue to grow and, and get some roots going down and build them up. There's so much he talks about roots in this whole thing of really knowing and establishing and spreading out. I'm in a Bible study on Friday morning and one day it came up and a guy, he said, you know what? I don't think I could explain to somebody why I believe the Bible. I just do. And then that brought up, you know what? That means we don't have roots. That, that's a roots thing. So let's talk about that. Let's build some roots. If there's something that you believe and you don't know why, all of a sudden that's ding, ding, ding. That's a red flag. 
not of danger of, hey, this is a good thing to read about because you can push down some roots so that if it does, when the persecution comes, it will be able to stand. I know a guy in North Africa and he planted a church. This is the second round of churches that he planted. And he said it just grew like wildfire. They had... uh, all kinds of healings and miracles happening every day. And people just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I said, wow, so how big is that church now? And he said, it's completely gone. They were persecuted and questioned by the authorities. And nobody could stand up to it. And no one's faith lasted through the questioning. And it's completely dispersed. And he said, but now I'm putting my fourth church. And it looks like it's going to last. That was his second So I don't know what happened to part three. So it's a real thing of push down roots so we really can stand on these things, be established, not fall away when tribulation or persecution arises. Then the third one, the others are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Did you notice when Jesus talked about it in the parable part, he said, seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. He's not saying it didn't grow. It grew like crazy. It just didn't yield any grain. We, we, have, this, we have this in our garden. We have a whole bunch of carrots planted And they are the biggest, greenest, leafiest, awesome things you ever saw. You guys are laughing because you know what comes next. We're like, oh man, it must be time to pick the carrots. And we pick the carrots, and it's like half of this pencil. It's like, what? That thing is, we've been protecting it all this time. Just because you're growing doesn't mean you're not getting choked off. doesn't mean you're growing right, right? There's a fruitfulness. See, that whole carrot, people don't grow the carrots for the greens. They grow the carrots for the carrot. And Jesus wants to grow us that we would be fruitful, that we would, we would bear much fruit, that there would be fruit of our lives showing, visible, there's uh, so many times it's happened where you're walking along and you know it's a fruit tree, but you're like me and you're not really good at identifying fruit trees, but you know it's some kind of fruit tree and you're looking around on it and you're looking around the ground and oh, okay, it's a pear. Oh, okay, it's persimmons. I got it. I know what that is. How do you know what that is? By the fruit that's sitting on the ground, the fruit that came from it. Otherwise, it's just a shade tree. And, and it wasn't designed to be a shade tree. Shade's fine, but it's a fruit tree. It's supposed to bear fruit. Good examples of that fruit, right? Galatians 6, love, joy, peace, patience, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the overflow. These are the, the evidence, the showing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In this parable, talking about the fruit is people around around you increasing in their faith, believing things, wow, you know, God is real, or God is true, or maybe I should read my Bible, or that, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, we had a guy over to our house for dinner, and he said, 
He said, I walk by your house a lot and there's just like light coming out of your house. And I can just hear like people laughing. He, he must have walked by at just the right time. I can hear people laughing and I can hear music sometimes. And I'm so glad to come to and eat at your house. That's awesome. I would not have expected that, right? But, but sometimes we show things off and we don't know we're showing things off. We can show the gospel by our works that we don't even know that we're showing off the gospel. But we are. That's the fruit. That's what bearing fruit is. Notice what's keeping them. They, they, uh, they hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of, the riches, of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke it off. There are all kinds of times where you think, I want to do this because I want this thing. And so you go after that and you might even get it, but there was something that God wanted to do that was bigger and better and more awesome We've also seen it work the other way where people have said, I have this money and I want to give it to this charity. And we get to watch them give it to that charity and we get to watch the people receive it. You know, even even people in our own family, dad, I got this money and I want to give it to this thing. Oh man, now we get to watch these people react to it. Um, you know, different different giving things. There's other things where we wanted something and we know somebody else wanted it too. And so we let them get it. We let them take it and we can see, man, they, they appreciate that thing. It was just a tomato to us, but it was something really good, really good to them. So there's times where there's things that you want and wanting them, the desires for other things, enter in and choke off the word. The other one on this is, I love my bed. <laughs> and sometimes my alarm clock goes off and my wife is like super, superhero. She just sleeps through all of it and is not concerned. And, and I hit the snooze and I hit the snooze and I hit the snooze. And then sometimes in the, in the early morning, I'll hear this, what do you want? And like yesterday morning, I was like, I want to sleep. Sometimes it's, I want to get up. I want to pursue the kingdom. I want to, I want to pray. I want to, I want to get my day started. So it can't, it's not just money. It's, it's, sometimes there's other things we want. But then, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. Wow. They bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. To hear the word and accept it and to hear the gospel, to hear the words of Jesus. See, when we read the Bible, we can read the Bible like a carpenter where the Bible comes to me and I chop off and I shape it to be the way I want it to be. Right? There's all kinds of parables. Jeremiah had one about the potter and all that where where God comes and God shapes the clay. I can come to the scriptures and I can shape them to fit what I want or I can let them shape me. The best way to let them shape me is to have somebody to talk about it with. Hey, I read this and I think it means this. What do you think it means? 
Get a bunch of commentaries. Get a bunch of footnotes. Share it with people. Talk it through. Talk it through with people that don't believe any of it. And just, just ask them, you know, what do you think that would mean? And get their insight because they might, God might be using them. God might be working in them to reason this stuff through and to think it through. Not about whether it's true or not. That, you know, that's not the debate. We don't want to have that debate, but, but what do you think about, you know, do you ever find your life isn't what it could be because you were going after money instead of what God wants you to go after? That's an open enough question, right? When, when in your life has going after something that seemed really good seemed like it choked off going after something better? The whole world, I mean, there's countless movies about this, right? The, the dad that worked real hard and never knew his sons and, you know, all that nonsense. Uh, it's, it's in our culture. So hear the word and accept it. To take it and really learn from it. Let, let Jesus teach you. And then, and then watch. And bearing fruit, when Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine... You're the branches. If you, if you are in me, if you abide in me, you'll bear a whole lot of fruit. I heard somebody say, you never walk through a vineyard hearing the vines going, trying to grunt out fruit. They just rest in the vine. And the vine grows. That's, that's how we are in Christ. That's what accepting the word is. Accepting, wow, the kingdom of heaven is like this and it's just going to spread and it's going to grow and so I can rest in that I can abide in that I can accept it and the other funny thing I love is that Jesus says 30 fold 60 fold or 100 fold because you know all those tax collectors that got saved if he would have said 30 fold they would have been counting it to keep track to know all the Pharisees that got saved and came to find him, they would be keeping track. They would want to know. And he's just saying, guys, it's just going to blow your mind. It's going to be, you're going to have double the life that you ever expected. You're going to have quadruple the life you ever expected as Christ grows in you, as Christ moves in you, as the kingdom of heaven spreads out from you in the fruit that you bear. So they take all that and they sit on all that and then he gives them one more parable. And I'm just going to read it really quick because now they're thinking through this. They're thinking through seeking him is the kingdom of heaven. And he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Don't you love it how Jesus explains the parable so they all sit back like, oh, I got it now. And then, bam, he hits him with another parable. That's on a totally different thing. But it's completely related. You don't take a light and hide it. You don't, nobody puts their lamp under their bed. That would be a huge joke when he said that. Because it would light your bed on fire. It's, it's a torch, you know. You don't, you don't take your candle and stick it lit under the pulpit. It's going to set the whole thing on fire. Is a lamp brought in to be put under... Yeah, it was set a basket on fire, set a bed. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nothing is said... Nothing is secret except to come to light. What's he talking about secret? Secret is these parables that I'm telling you guys. 
I'm not telling you parables so you can keep it as a secret and be like, man, I got Jesus down. I understand all of this. No. Put it on a stand. If anybody has ears to hear, let him hear. He says that again. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. With the one who has this secret of, man, I just want to know more about Jesus. Whenever I'm confused, whenever I'm confused about Jesus, I can either blow him off and say, that's just confusing, I don't even know what they're talking about. Or I can say, Jesus, what are you talking about? That's what that means. Whoever has, whoever has that, I want to know Jesus so much more, I want to ask him. I want to ask him what he means. You'll get more. You'll just learn more and more and more from him. And the more you blow him off, the more he'll say, you know what, I think this is a good tomato, I'm going to take it home and eat it myself. And you won't, you won't get nearly as much. So he says that right after the parable of the sower to follow up. Now guys, I just complain, explain this parable to you. Don't let that be prideful. Don't think you got the ace in the hole. Continue to ask me questions. Continue to grow in me and to seek. And he says the same thing to us today. So this week... Go back through and read the parable of the sower. It's one of the clearest parables just because Jesus explains it. It's in Mark 4, right at the beginning of Mark 4. And just pray through it and ask Jesus to explain more parables to you because it really is a snowball. It really is an increasing... He wants us to understand stuff. He doesn't want us to be confused. But He wants us to ask. He wants us to pursue it so that we would really put it together ourselves and really appreciate it. All right, let's pray. Jesus, you show us so much mercy when you teach us things, when you show us things. You didn't have to teach us anything. You could have just left us with a law. You could have left us with an impersonal list of rules. But you came and you lived and you haven't left us. You've stayed with us and, and given us new life in you. And I pray that you would guide us in every way, Lord, that we would pursue you and seek you with all of our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust that you will honor your promise, that you will be found by us when we seek for you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Church, as you go out this week, seek the Lord. He is planting seeds all over the place, and you will love it if you let him grow. God bless you.